Hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Friends, we're here a little early this week because our birthdays come up come up on Thursday, and I think we both want to need, take the whole day off to celebrate. That's, that's at least my narrative, AJ. I don't know what yours is, but uh, the top news of the week centers around my hockey club, my favorite hockey club. Uh, the Maple Leafs made a couple of trades, one that made a lot of sense to me, and the other one not so much until I dug into it deeper. Let's get into that a little bit, though, AJ. They... Uh, Managed to shed some some salary with the departure of Nick Ritchie, who was a big fat bust ever since he came here. He was given top line opportunity early in, early in the season and faded and went down through the whole roster and couldn't hang on to a fourth line gig here. So the $2.5 million committed this year and next year was looking like a real albatross, but a real coup by the general manager, Kyle Dubas, as he moved him along with a 2023 second round draft pick or a third-round draft pick, rather, or a third second-rounder in 2025. That's the furthest out I think they can go at this stage. In exchange for a defensive-minded defenseman, Ilya Libushkin. This guy's a physical guy, AJ, by all accounts. He, he is leading his club with uh, hits and block shots, which is good news in terms of the defensive acumen that he shows. And he's got some size and some mobility and somehow managed only to have a minus six on this terrible hockey club. So I think that was a good move. They they also had Ryan Zingle in, in the same trade. And I thought they might be lucky to get him to go through waivers. But when they tried that, San Jose picked him up. So uh, the Leafs are cap compliant after this deal in shedding some salary. And I guess they're pointing themselves to hopefully making another move with a little bit of more space and uh, down the road but the second deal uh, to acquire Carter Hutton I thought I was scratching my head what do they need with another goalie (laughs) maybe the worst one on any NHL roster but the deal was just strictly to pay his salary for Arizona the rest of the the year he's not even going to move from from the Arizona area and will play with Tucson the farm club of the Coyotes for the rest of the season so your thoughts on, on the moves Leafs made are they better off um, I mean, I think they're in a better, better, obviously, situation on the, the financial side of it, for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it's really going to make a huge impact on their roster. Um, you could say there's obviously some benefit of getting, you know, Richie out of there to give more opportunities to some other guys uh, and not have to shuffle the roster as much. But, you know, I think it's a net neutral, all things considered. They got rid of some salary. Labushkin gives them that, you know, Jake Muzzin picked up an injury the other day again. Um, so now they have a, a more viable kind of seventh, sixth or seventh defenseman there. So they're certainly not worse. Um, I don't know if it's going to make a big impact on how the rest of their season goes. The cap space, you know, where they are in terms of the cap doesn't mean – they're not going to be able to be buying big at the at the deadline here unless they send something significant the other way. But it's better than nothing to, you know, get compliant here. So um, they're fine. I mean, that's all I can say about it, right, is, is they're fine. They're not bad deals. They're not necessarily great deals. Uh, probably more even long-term probably is the better consideration to not have Nick Ritchie um, eating that salary up next year. 
Yeah, I think that's a key consideration, AJ. And the, the notes on Libushkin that are coming my way indicate that this guy's a pretty good defensive defenseman, though, and uh, physical force, which they need more of in this lineup, in my opinion, a little more uh, physicality doesn't hurt any roster, in my opinion, and Leafs are a little shy in that department. And the fact that he blocks a number of shots means to me that he, he could be helpful on what's already a pretty strong penalty-killing unit. So I see him getting a shot as high as top four minutes, maybe partnered with a healthy Muzzin if, if they can get that far, and maybe that becomes a new shutdown pair. So that's the high-water mark that I see. I don't see any, certainly any DFS value in him because he, I think he last scored a goal. He's got one more goal than me and you in NHL <laughs> career. So nothing to, sh- to talk about offensively for sure. But uh, then the second thing I want to touch on is Zdeno Chara, AJ. Uh, He's closing in on 45 years of age, and he, by all accounts, is somebody that Lou Lamorello might be willing to deal to give him another shot at a playoff run. It's certainly not going to happen on Long Island. And uh, he's closing in on an all-time record, one game shy of of Chris Chelios' all-time record for defensemen. Great career, but a very polarizing figure for me. I, I think he's also he also can go down as one of the dirtiest players in the game. That's my assessment. Uh, big physical specimen, biggest and meanest guy I've ever seen on the ice, and he plays that to his advantage as often as he can. And uh, if he's he's a guy on your team, you love him. If he's not a guy on the other, your other team, the opposition, you are f- afraid of this guy. There's no two ways about it. I mean, I, I honestly would uh, I would disagree with the the you know, the, the dirty, um, the dirty side of it. I mean, some of it is just six, nine. And if he hits you, you're going to feel it. Um, you know, I think he's a fit. I fair to call him a physical player, but it's not like he's got a lengthy suspension history. Um, in fact, I, I distinctly recall one time seeing Chara, um, get into, uh, some fisticuffs on the ice with, uh, with an opponent and the, the other opponent went down on the ice and Char had his arm reared back like he was going to hit him again. And he, he stopped himself because, you know, um, the fight's over once you, once you hit the ice there. And, and he could have just, you know, gone off and just nailed this guy on the ground. So I, I guess I would uh, be the first I've heard of Char being a dirty player. Um, definitely physical, as I said, big towering guy. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, it would be nice for him, obviously, to get another run has just the one cup win. Um, so at least he's not, you know, he's at least got one. Um, but yeah, I'd shot for him to get number two, maybe, um, if, if somebody wants to bring him in. To be clear, when I say dirtiest player in the game, I think he uses his stick very effectively. Let me just say that. And the new cross-checking penalty was was devised with him in mind because he forever is knocking guys right out of the front of the net with a, a forearm shiver or a stick to their backs. I've seen that so many times from him, never getting called. And a lot of defensemen get away with that. But now they've kind of clamped down, and I think he was the poster boy for that kind of penalty. I mean, it's a miracle, Paul, he was able to get it into anybody's back. Think about how far down he has to reach. I mean, that's true. So the fact that he's not cross-checking people to the back of the head is, you know, saying something. He's got to get pretty far down there to get into most of these guys like back. <laughs> true enough. True enough. But certainly congratulations are in order for a long career that's going to see him get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the fact that he can still play 15 to 17 minutes on defense uh, on a nightly basis in a top four role, killing penalties every night. My hat's off to this guy. There's no question that uh, I would love to have him on my side uh, as opposed to go against him. And, uh, 
that speaks volumes about uh, the respect that I do have for his uh, playing ability. AJ, let's swing into our look at the uh, 32 rosters. There, uh, I'm going to make it a point to highlight some pans, picks and pans is what I'm calling this week, where, where we're going to look at some players who really have not delivered the goods for some of their teams. And some names will jump out to you, I'm sure, with a quick glance at the rosters, as they did with me. But uh, also, we'll be talking about how they've uh, the su- successful players have scored in the past week or so. And of course, we have the usual uh, long list of injury news, uh, people going to the injury list or coming out of it. So uh, why don't you start us off with a look at the Anaheim Ducks. They were one and two on the past week. And uh, what's the situation that you see there? Well, we'll start right away with the injury news. Ryan Getzlaff is going to be back in action for the Ducks tonight. Looks to take on a second line role for them. Missed the previous two games. Um, he'll he'll play with Sonny Milano and Troy Terry, which you know, really getting Getzlaff back completely changes that team. And in my opinion, they go from being a little bit of a one line, you know, Zegris, uh, Silverberg and Henrique to, to actually being able to put two lines together um, that have some offensive output. Now, Getzlaff might fall into that pan category for, for some players. You look at his stats this season, just three goals in 42 games. You know, obviously a far cry from the guy that put up 31 at one point in his career, but he does have 24 helpers. Um, so, you know, decent, you know, at, at 36 years of age, having 27 points through 42 games, that, that's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say that's obviously a big uh, jump for them. And like I said, you know, without the goals, maybe you don't use Ryan Getzlaff, but I think it increases the fantasy value for Sonny Milano and, and Troy Terry that they have a puck distributor uh, centering them. And so I think it, it can definitely help them. You know, as I said this last week, that first line, you're talking about Adam Henrique with three goals, Trevor Zegers with five points, Sonny Milano did have three points this last week in, in their two games. So um, they're, they're, Headed, uh, I think, in the right direction with getting him back. Anthony Stollert's going to get the start for them tonight. Uh, it's not a back-to-back. And I think this is just something to be expected here. As we get down the stretch for potential playoff teams, you're going to see, uh, I think, a little bit more work from backups than we saw you know, coming into the All-Star break, uh, just to keep those guys fresh for the back half of the season. So, doesn't mean Stolarts is taking over. It doesn't mean John Gibson's not going to play the bulk of the minutes there. But just something to be aware of that, you know, we may not see Gibby taking quite as many games as he did over the first half of the season. AJ, in Arizona, the news, if you're looking at young players who are trying to make their mark, is in improving, I'll say. Clayton Keller, Lawson Krauss, they are once again chipping in some offense here most recently making this team a tougher out than they normally are they're getting good work out of Nick Schmaltz too who has come off come out of the infirmary he's had a bit of an injury plagued campaign but of late has been chipping in pretty good offense with six points in his last seven games played including four goals on defense they've introduced Dyson Mayo as a first line, right, first line of defense on the right side, playing alongside Shane Gossespierre. He, too, has a bit of an offensive upside as well. So they are showing some offensive growth throughout this roster. Still getting good work out of Carl Vimelka in the Nets. This guy's seen a lot of rubber all season, but hanging in. But I would like to see uh, a guy like a Barrett Hayton take the next step. He's 21 years old in his third year as a pro, AJ, and and not chipping in as much offense as his junior profile might suggest. 
That's forced them to play Alex Galchenyuk out of position. And the big winger has done very well in the middle of the ice. He, too, is just shy of a point per game over the last two weeks and uh, kind of enjoying uh, life here and a scoring line opportunity with some uh, on-ice success. In Boston, the biggest news, obviously, will be the return of Brad Marchant tonight, coming back from that six-game suspension. And again, this is another team, like, it gives them some more flexibility in terms of, you know, they they are still a one-line team, uh, you know, led by Marchant, Bergeron, and Pasternak. But having Taylor Hall uh, on a second line gives them some better options, in, in my opinion, to at least fill that out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the big news for, for Boston. Obviously, you know, the other, uh, thing is over the, you know, since last week they did get, uh, did get Bergeron back. So now that they've got both those guys together and available, they should continue to roll. Uh, and it does look like for now, you know, before the suspension and the injury, they had been having Pasternak on, on the second line, um, to kind of spread out that scoring, uh, it looks for now, at least, like he'll be back on that top line, but don't be surprised to see it move. But kudos to you, Paul. We, we were talking about this on the DraftKings show a couple of weeks ago. You didn't care that he was on the second line because he's, you know, he gets the, the power play minutes with those guys. And so even if they do end up breaking him up, I think, Paul, you're absolutely right. Pasternak's still a high-value fantasy target, uh, regardless of, of where he might be playing five-on-five. Yeah, and uh, as I profiled uh, Arizona, I think the same words apply to Buffalo. They are cobbling together. Everybody that can score is moving up to the top six, so you got players playing out of position there as well. When you consider Peyton Krebs playing a second-line role on the wing, he, he's uh, been a center throughout his time in his early development, but moving over the wing just to put all hands, all scoring hands on deck. Consider Tage Thompson led all shooters with five goals last week in the entire league. Kyle Ocposo with five goals in his last nine, nine games played. Victor Olofsson has been up and down the roster. He was a guy that was supposed to be one of the signature players here, and once again, he's uh, showing his uh, offensive skill with two goals and one assist, but it's been kind of a quiet season for him compared to the other two guys who have really improved their lot. Dylan Cousins is a guy they're expecting some more offense out of him he picked up four assists last week and of course Alex Tuck has loved life in Buffalo ever since he moved there uh, from the from the Vegas Knights he picked up four more points last week on defense Rasmus Dahlin is having I think his best year since his rookie season he picked up three assists last week as well AJ but he's dealing with a lower body injury and at the moment that exposes a very young defense in total when you consider Jacob Bryson, Mike Math, Matthias Samuelson, Casey Fitzgerald. These three guys are now playing in their top three pairs, and we didn't forecast any of them when we started the season here. So I think if you're looking for any offensive upside from the current group, you got to look at a guy like a Henry Yokihargu, but boy, boy, oh boy, that's a stretch thinking that he's going to carry your offense. He looks like if Darlene's out of the lineup that he will take on on the power play minutes on the, on the back end. But uh, they're missing the likes of Will Butcher and Colin Miller big time here. And the hope is that Darlene can return sooner rather than later. The Hurricanes continue to be the class of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, they've got three wins in a row since we last talked on, on Thursday Another two uh, or another three wins over that stretch. Freddie Anderson getting two of those victories with a 9-1-7 save percentage. Antti Ranta getting the other one, 9-1-2 uh, 
was his save percentage there. Obviously, the biggest concern for them right now is defensive depth. Um, they've already been dealing with an injury to Brendan Smith, who was hurt uh, over the weekend uh, on Sunday, then missed out on Monday's game. They're going to reevaluate him when the team gets back. They've been on the road. But yesterday, in that early game, uh, D'Angelo suffered uh, an upper body injury, had to come out of that game against the Flyers. So suddenly a luxury that they've had is, is a really deep defensive group that featured multiple guys capable of producing um, from the back end is suddenly uh, dealing with, you know, two big injuries there. Obviously the Smith injury alone isn't huge. They've got Ian Cole who stepped into the lineup, you know, Ethan Bear has been solid. Um, but when you have both of those guys out, either Cole or Bear is now suddenly going to be in the top four if neither D'Angelo or Smith can play in their upcoming games. Uh, again, you know, looking at the the D'Angelo injury, you're going to see a guy like Jakob Slavin step into uh, that number one power play spot. So look for his value to really be up. And, and he's been very good of late. Uh, one goal, six assists in his last eight games. But yeah, you just add in that expanded power play role. He's been with the number two unit, but he'll move up to the number one. So that's a good spot for him to be in as well. Um, but yeah, something to watch as, as they lead into their next game, uh, whether or not D'Angelo can play, I think they're off until Friday. Um, so they have a little bit of time to maybe get these guys healthy, but it's, it's a concern. Absolutely. And in Calgary, they have got to be celebrating their 10-game winning streak. This is the hottest team in hockey right now. And for me, they don't look like they have much of a weakness anywhere, AJ, considering that some of the guys that we panned on this roster earlier in the season are even chipping in. I'm talking about you, Sean Monaghan. Three points last week, and Andrew Mangiapane was quiet for a while as well, and he was sinking down in the roster, but he too chipped in with three points. But the guy that I want to focus on is Elias Lindholm. Of course, we've talked a lot about Gaudreau and Kachuk, and they've continued to roll along every week. But Lindholm uh, led them all in scoring last week with five goals and four helpers, and quietly still remains a relatively cheap option as far as first-line centers go in DFS plays. So if you're looking for a night when Calgary plays and want to fade one of their wingers, you'll probably find that this center is cheaper than those guys more often than not and brings value just as they do. So uh, all kinds of positive news here. And uh, a, a few weeks ago, I mentioned Rasmus Anderson highlighting him, and he's done nothing but score regularly from the back end and lead the power play as well. So uh, they they don't miss Mark Giordano as, I thought, as much as I thought they would with a without a linchpin on the back back end, but Anderson and Shillington have filled that void and then some and provided them with two young and relatively inexpensive pieces to lead the offense from the back end. Paul, I know you like to joke that I'm, you know, president of the Marc-Andre Fleury fan club, uh, which there are no truth to those rumors. Um, and even I'm willing to admit uh, when he's struggling, it's, it's something that, that happens at times during his career. Uh, especially, you know, when he was in Pittsburgh, he'd have a bad game, but you have that kind of offense. They can bail you out. Same thing was true occasionally in, in Vegas. That doesn't take away from uh, how good he's been. But you got to feel for a guy who pitches a 29-save shutout during regulation and still suffers a shootout loss to Dallas. Um, you know, what What more can you do? Um, you, you need help from from your offense at some point here. And just not just not getting it. So it's it's making, you know, I think it highlights those those bad games even more because he's already, you know, 
in situations where you go 65 minutes without allowing a goal, but you still get hamstrung with the loss there. Um, that's, that's really not, uh, not totally fair. And, you know, some of it has to be the fact that Jonathan Taves is still out. He was at practice today, seems to be trending in the right direction, but you know, they, they don't have in three games, they don't have a single guy with more than one goal. Um, Patrick Kane, Ryan Carpenter, Alex Brinkat, Philip Kershev, Caleb Jones, Mackenzie Entwistle, these are the six guys that scored for them over those three games, uh, and they they need something more. It's hard to blame blame Kane. He had two assists as well, so he's doing the best he can. And I think the same can be said of, of Flurry. It'll be, you know, I think the topic around him is going to continue to be whether or not they decide to move him. Uh, again, we, you know, I talked on on Thursday that. They basically got him for free because they had the cap space available to take it on. And so anything they get back from him is, is bonus uh, as far as this team's concerned. And uh, in Columbus, they're looking at a Patrick Laine who looks as good as he has in his rookie season. He has seven multiple point games out of his nine, last nine starts. That's an incredible run for him. And uh, he's showing the best of himself, 33 points in 30 games on the season. He's really carrying this offense like like nobody has all season long. And along for the ride is, is Jenner, his center, more often than not, six points in this past week. So they're leading the offense. And uh, going in the other direction, though, is Jack Ruslovic. For weeks and weeks, we used to say that this guy was one of the guys who was a signature player on this team. Surprisingly, that both came over in the same trade from Winnipeg, but Ruslavik finds himself now mired in a slump where he's seen no more than 11 minutes of ice time in any of his last seven games played, and he's in a fourth-line role here, meaning that they've moved Cole Sillinger up to a second-line role, and there's no offense to be expected from him, despite the fact he's in a nice spot between Nyquist and Bjorkstrand, two of their better-scoring wingers here. So we'll keep an eye on that, that centerized situation and see if it moves around, but Sillinger's getting a prime-time opportunity. It could be a real cheap DFS value play if you believe in the Columbus offense, which is trying to keep pace with the number of goals they're giving up at the other end of the ice. And that's the reason for that is because they're missing their top two goalies on the depth chart. Merzlikens and Corpusello both out of the lineup, and tonight they're forced to put in Jean-Francois Perube, who has been hanging around Major League rosters for a few years, but if you look at his games played, it doesn't add up. He's been a Mr. Press Box guy for, for the teams that he's played on in the last few years, most often in Columbus. So he'll get a start tonight, and I'm curi- kind of curious to see if the Leafs can possibly avoid losing on consecutive nights to third-string goalies. <laughs> Gosh, that, you would have to really dig into the archives to figure out the last time a team lost to like third-string goalies or a goalie who had played like 10 or fewer games in a season or, or something like that. Yeah, it's nuts. But it happens to Toronto, I'll bet you. <laughs> I mean, he, he he won his last outing, so they're giving him number two here. So we'll, we'll have to see, Paul. Oh, man. In Colorado, uh, look, kind of um, uh, a weird outing for Darcy Kemper this last week. You know, he had been on this four-game winning streak that included a pair of shutouts. Um, but then just just rocked by Boston. And again, you're on the road. Um, you know, it's not easy travel, multi, you know, multiple days here. And look, he faced 45 shots. So giving up five, you know, obviously you want the save percentage above 900 and it wasn't. But, you know, when you face that much rubber, 
Uh, it's hard not to give in a, a goal or two here. So obviously defensively, they need to get better in front of him. Um, they, they have a really solid D. It's not like anybody's out, uh, you know, significantly out that, that is leading. Like there's no glaring issue as to why they're allowing so many shots. I mean, I guess you could point to the fact that Devin Tejas, Kale McCarr, and Sam Ugarad are all offensively minded guys. So you do have, a you know, probably guys that are more willing to pinch in the wrong, uh, you know, at the wrong time. I, I did not watch that game, so I can't say for certainty that that happened, but it is a possible explanation. Uh, you know, as far as the offense goes, look, it's it's that top line. Uh, Burakoski has been pretty solid all year. Nazem Kadri, obviously. Tyson Yost uh, is one player that that is on that that pan side of it that I think would have expected a lot more out of him this year. Um uh, on the whole, you know, Yost 13 points in, in 50 games, and they've had a number of injuries. So, yeah, he's on the third line right now, and you could say, you know, oh, 13 points on a third line is fine. But the injuries that they've had, he's played plenty of top six opportunities, and I just think there there needs to be more from him, uh, it, you know, if they want to go, go further here. Um, he had – 12 goal seasons, 11 goal seasons. He could still get there with five, but he's obviously running out of time to hit that mark. And, you know, it is important to note that years that he hit those those thresholds that he was playing a lot of power play minutes. That has not been the case this year. In part, I think they go hand in hand. If you're not contributing offensively, why is the team going to put you on the power play? They've added a few other guys since, you know, those those younger years of his that that have those opportunities. So, Really kind of disappointed in uh, in his numbers. He's a guy that I always pops into my mind as like, oh, this could be like a sneaky good guy. I could grab late, you know, late round in a, a redraft format. And just seems the last couple of years hasn't worked out for me. You know what? If you're looking at players that are over 35 years of age, I don't know that anybody is outside of Alex Ovechkin is playing any better than Joe Pavelski. AJ, he had another five-point week on the season. He's got 53 points in 49 games played. Nobody other than you is talking about this guy regularly, and that's a shame because he's had an outstanding campaign, and I highlighted his performance at the All-Star game when I really took notice of him, but he's been playing very, very well all season long for this club, getting first-line minutes and justifying that by leading this team offensively while other guys who make more money and should have a bigger role, are, are struggling to find their way. I'm calling out Jamie Benn and Alex Radiloff in that circumstance. Both of those guys now in third-line roles, and they played a lot together in a first-line or top-six role throughout their time in Dallas. The hope is now that they can bring something out of each other from a third-line role against lesser opposition when they're out there together. In the Nets, the, there's a clear win in Jake Ottinger's camp over Braden Holpe to the point now where Holpe is front and center in trade rumors, AJ. Ottinger's getting the lion's share of the goaltending there, and uh, the structure in front of them has settled down because this team has gotten healthy on the back end, and they can point to a uh, the fact that Ryan Sutter is, is now part, paired with Miro Heiskanen and producing a little offense as well as stabilizing the defense. Essa Lindell and John Klingberg, Klingberg a long-time long partnership that is thriving as well. So uh, things are looking up uh, in Dallas. If they can get some of their veterans on that third line to score, this team will be a tough out. Things are definitely not looking up in Detroit after this morning. Dylan Larkin was forced to leave uh, practice this morning with an undisclosed injury. Uh, could be nothing. You know, it, we haven't heard anything either way. Uh, 
you know, the team didn't have anything to offer after, after practice. So uh, it's possible it ends up just being nothing, but certainly it's, it's a concern for that team to be losing their leading goal scorer, their leading point producer, their top guy on the power play, like their captain, obviously. So uh, if Larkin misses any time, that's going to be a huge blow for them. Uh, they look like they're going to have Vladislav Nemesnikov back soon. He's been practicing. You know, if you look on Rotowire, we do still have him listed as a day-to-day, so there hasn't been confirmation that he'll play in their next game, um, but seems to be trending in the right direction. Carter Rowney has been skating with the team as well, but they're going to have to call somebody up if Larkin can't go. Uh, I would imagine that they'll move Pius Sutter up to that first-line spot if Larkin can't play, although they could shuffle things around in other ways to kind of make that work. But um, it's definitely going to take this team from, you know, having some offensive output to really being like Tyler Bertuzzi dependent. (laughs) Um, Lucas Raymond's really cooled from his hot start to the year. Uh, They do obviously have Maurice Sider who produces from the the back line there. But uh, I I think an already likely out playoff team is going to get a little easier to beat if Larkin is out for any length of time. In Edmonton, you know, they can point to Mike Smith. He put together three straight wins where the goals against was pretty nice. The save percentage was high. Then he comes back against Minnesota the other day and gets shelled for four goals in 13 minutes. So their goaltending woes continue despite the fact they did have a three-in-one week. That's where the focus is going to be on this team until they change things up. I wonder what they could possibly do to fix that and improve it over the coming weeks. We're going to take a closer look at trade possibilities and, and the de- as the deadline approaches. But right now, it's still the bugaboo of, of all bugaboos here in Edmonton. doesn't matter that Dreisaitl and McDavid can outscore the, most of those problems most nights, but that's, that's really where the focal point is on this club, and it will continue to be. Uh, in terms of their offense, of course, the usual suspects are chiming in with big-time points. McDavid and Drysaddle each driving a scoring line. I think the guy that they got to be disappointed in in the top six is Kyler Yamamoto, though. He is a guy blessed with opportunity to play with some of the best players in hockey and yet only has 19 points on the season with this top six opportunity. The fact of the matter is if Zach Cassian was healthy, maybe he wouldn't even have that role. Or Yessi Pugliarvi on the sideline definitely wouldn't have that role. One thing they can say is that Zach Hyman, though, has been a very nice addition to this club. I'm not sure about the length of that contract still. I have concerns about it, but he's bringing it every night and chipping in with a lot of offense and on his way to maybe the highest goal-scoring total in his career thus, thus far. Well, in Florida, a bit of injury uh, injury news, good news for them. Uh, Maxim Mammon is going to be back in the lineup. They've activated him off IR, and they're going to shove him immediately into a first-line role alongside Carter Verhege and Alexander Barkov. So they are going to throw him to the wolves right off the bat. Um, that might be a good spot. Maybe you'll hear a little bit from me later on this, but might be a good place to uh, consider him in terms of fantasy value uh, for DFS. Uh, just a little teaser there for later. You know, this is a club that they lead the league right now in goal differential at 63. Um, they are getting fantastic net mining from Sergei Bobrovsky, who's won three in a row. Um, they are getting offense from guys like Marchment, Ekblad, Barkov, Huberdeau, 
you know, they, they are getting depth scoring. That's really, I think, what separates the Panthers from a lot of other teams right now is they are able to rely on more than just their stars, more than just their top six uh, to, to produce here. And, and I think they are going to be a dangerous team heading into the postseason. In L.A., they shuffled their roster up a little bit a few weeks ago in, or, in hopes of adding some depth and length to it, AJ. But it hasn't really worked out when you consider Quinton Byfield has only one goal in over 10 games played as a rookie. That's largely because they haven't gotten much out of the winners that he's with. Andreas Athanasiu has had an injury-played campaign, but when healthy, has not produced anywhere near uh, his career norm pace. And Dustin Brown, the captain here, he's uh, really taken a turn south in terms of the scoring totals this season, and he's looking like every bit like you expect most 35-plus-year-old players to look. Not like Joe Pavelski, I'll say. Dustin Brown is heading in the opposite direction there. But on the plus side, Philip Deneau has got his 14th goal of the season already, and he's shedding the image for me of a defense-only type forward. He's he's playing a real strong two-way game, and that's been the strength of this team, that two-way look at center with him and Kopitar carrying the mail up front. And Iafalo and Kempe have continued their development. They are now trusted people on that top line on the wings. But Trevor Moore might be a guy that you can add to that camp as well. He's had a fine run of late, and he solidified his spot as a second-line left winger ahead of Athanasiu here. So uh, some youngsters taking that next step, but some oldsters heading in the opposite direction. Uh, that's Dustin Brown talking about you, buddy. And uh, on defense, Drew Doughty hit a milestone last last week, getting his 1,000th game in, so a tip of the hat to him. An outstanding career, well-decorated internationally, representing Canada on the international hockey scene. Uh, I think Dustin for a Hall of Fame uh, entry when his career is done. In the Nets, Cal Peterson is spelling uh, Jonathan Quick with some success of late. In his last five starts, a total of only 13 goals against. That's a 260 goals against, and you'll take that every time from your backup. So a good look in the Nets for them right now. In Minnesota, it's a little bit of just, you know, kind of more the same, just consistent uh, consistency for them. Finding, you know, they are in a position to, to be a playoff team and, and push for that. You look at this past couple of games, Zuccarello with three goals, three assists. Uh, Erickson Eck, Fiala, both those guys had two goals. Kaprasov, you know, if you want to get nitpicky, Kaprasov had just one goal in this last couple of games, but he had four helpers as well. Uh, he's on a five-game point streak, nine ridiculous points over that stretch four of them coming with the man advantage so don't sleep on that aspect of it as well that he's racking up points on the power play the shots on goal totals are just like huge as well um you know you look at his last last uh looks like seven games here he's his shot total is only dipped below three once uh and in that game he had a pair of helpers so i don't think anybody was complaining about that one so Kirill Kaprasov has just continued to really uh, put on a, a clinic here and just show that last season wasn't a fluke. There's no sophomore slump here. He should easily get uh, the four goals he needs to match his rookie total. I would be shocked if he missed out on the 30-goal mark, needs seven goals down the stretch here to get there, and really just putting together a fantastic season for them. A little bit of, uh, you know, inconsistency in the net mindings. Cam Talbot had a bad game. 8-8-2 was the save percentage in his one appearance uh, this past week. 
Kakonin wasn't much better at 909, though he did pick up the win there. So um, they need to get better goaltending. I'm not saying they need to, uh, you know, address or bring in a goaltender. I think both of these guys are certainly capable of doing it. They've showed it at points during the season. Uh, they've just got Talbot in a bit of a funk right now. And Kakonin hasn't been uh, significantly better over the stretch. So these guys just need to play to their ability and this team will be fine. Well, you got to wonder what's happening in Montreal, AJ. They're having the best week of their season. Three wins in a row, uh, culminating with the shocking win over the Maple Leafs last night, I have to say. When they ran up a 5 nothing score halfway through the game, I thought, I can't take any more of this. And I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit, even saying all the words that I am right now. But Cole Coffey... That, was a, that wasn't just a win, Paul. That was a dismantling. It they, was not pretty. They took it to him. Nick Suzuki at center, Josh Anderson and Cole Caulfield on, on Cole Caulfield on the wings. They're all three of them are firing in all cylinders right now, AJ. And uh, the impact of Marty St. Louis being felt throughout the roster here. Not only are those three guys cooking, but they're also getting more produ- productivity out of Jeff Petrie than we've seen all season long. He's got six points in his last five games. And that's more than half the total that he's had season to date. So uh, if he can turn his season around, maybe there's some value there that could be had if somebody's coming looking for a scoring defenseman out of the Montreal roster, because I'm sure in the long-term range plans, uh, the, he, he can't possibly fit in at this stage in his career with a team that's develop, uh, going through a rebuild. Mike Hoffman elevated to a second-line role on the left wing. I think they got to leave him there and see whatever offense they can get out of him over the rest of the season. And uh, Brendan Gallagher moved up and down the roster, and Paul Byron. Those are interchangeable parts on the right wing. I think I trust Gallagher as far as the, the two of them being a scoring presence. They've missed the regular productivity of Arturi and He's healthy and slowly will wind himself back up into a top six role potentially here. Laurent Dauphin, I think, miscast in the second line center role. That's a real problem for this club as long as Christian Dvorak's out of the lineup and Jonathan Drouin, they're missing both those guys on the IR. But uh, things looking up, at least for the last seven days in Montreal, behind the goaltending tandem of Samuel Montembeau and the Hambler girl, burglar, Andrew Hammond, back in the NHL. <laughs> Uh, the Hamburglar. I love it. Um, in New Jersey, you know, the, they do have some good news today. They are going to get Dougie Hamilton back in the lineup. They don't play until Thursday. And based on line combinations, it looks like Andreas Johnson and Jasper Bratt will both be able to play. Like this team finally looking uh, like they have some uh, some healthy players available the problem is no sign yet, as far as I've seen, of Mackenzie Blackwood, which means John Gillies is going to continue to be their starter. And really, since coming into that role, 11 games played, 3-7-0 and 0 is the record, 3.60 is the goals against average. And that includes two games in his last five appearances in which he allowed six goals to find the back of the net. So, you know... It doesn't, you can put all the Dougie Hamiltons in the lineup that you want. Um, it's not going to matter if you don't have a, a goaltender. And, and so I think they're unfortunately just stuck in that position right now uh, until they can get Blackwood back. I, I, there's no reason based on where they are in the standings for this team to go out and, and get another netminder here. Um, maybe you give Nico Dawes a, a few extra starts just to, um, you know, give him those opportunities, but obviously you don't want to like throw him in too soon. So 
expect John Gillies to continue to get lit up as they head into the back half of the season, even with a guy like Dougie Hamilton coming back into the lineup. AJ, when it comes to Nashville, we haven't had too many negative things to say about this club because they married some un- unexpected offense with a very strong defense. But in the last four games, it's all, all gone to hell in a handbasket. Despite the fact that Roman Yossi picked up four assists, uh, UC Soros was in net for all four of those games, giving up 15 goals against. In fact, he's played 14 of the last 15 games. And I wonder if he's starting to get a little tired. And we might say, see big save Dave Riddich get a couple of starts in the near future because they need something a bit of a shakeup here in Nashville before the season goes down the drain if it continues like it is right now. Consider that Ryan Johansson, their top line center, has only one goal and two helpers in his last eight games. Matt Duchesne, though, is going the other way, still a red hot stick, and he's enjoying his best season in Nashville with six goals and two helpers in his last seven games. But the lines are juggling here. Tomasino is moved in as a left winger on the top line. I don't see any DFS value there, play there. I don't trust him yet. I haven't seen enough. And Philip Forsberg has been dropped down to a third line left wing role, despite the fact that he has 11 points in his last eight games. All this shuffling has also meant that Dryden Hunt moves up to a second line role. So there's a couple of head scratching moves here. That, that I wonder about, and uh, we'll see how that all shakes up uh, down the road. But uh, I I think I made a mistake with Dryden Hunt. I don't see him anymore on the roster here. So uh, I'm going to say that Tanner, Tanner Janot is the guy that I was thinking about, actually. I uh, got the names messed, messed up. But Janot, he had a nice run offensively, too, but he, too, is mired in a third-line role. Maybe it's an attempt to stretch the roster here, but... I don't know if you do that at a time. I guess you do that in reaction to the fact they've dropped four in a row. Got to try something a little different, but uh, I hope UC Saros can pull off a big game. I think that's probably the best antidote for this club. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there, Paul. You know, uh, Dryden Hunt, a member of the Rangers, so you can talk exactly. about him in, in a couple minutes here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the other New York club, uh, Long Island, uh, the New York Islanders here, uh, some good injury news. It looks like they might get Oliver Wallstrom back and, and available. Uh, he's really their only injured player right now. So they're they're pretty healthy, all things considered. He's missed just one game. And again, you know, I know I've been saying this all season long. I, I just don't understand why this team is so bad. Like they, you know, Brock Nelson, three points in their last two games. Matthew Barzell had two points. They got defensive scoring from Noah Dobson. Like, I just I look at this roster. I look at this team. The netminders have been, you know, they have netminders that should be certainly capable in Sorokin and Simeon Varlamov. Varlamov is uh, back. He was able to back up on Monday after being in the COVID protocol. So he's back and available as soon as they want to use him. Like, the, the, you look at this team, and I, I think – this is a team that should win some games. Like they've got depth scoring. They've got, you know, what everybody you know, almost unanimously calls the best fourth line in hockey and, and Martin Sezikis and Clutterbuck. Like defensively, maybe they don't have like an offensive powerhouse on the, on the blue line here, but uh, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm always just confused by this team. And whenever we bring them up and, and talk about them, the fact that they could be so far out. I mean, you're talking, from a, a wild card spot, you're talking 19 points behind Boston. Uh, certainly that is a hill too big to climb, in, in my opinion, barring something insane happening there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I just don't totally get it. Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll let you maybe comment on that. If you have any thoughts on, on why are the Islanders just struggling so much this year? Yeah, I, I am perplexed with like you are the, the only team that's beaten them in the playoffs is the two time defending champs the last couple of years. So that's, that's how good they've been in the postseason, winning their share of series. I think it's five series one in the last two playoff hunts. And uh, they're not going to get that opportunity this season, obviously. And, Curious to see what uh, one of the best general managers in hockey history has up his sleeve uh, in this offseason to kind of rectify things because this season has, has gone south here and I don't know that they can rescue it in time. Certainly hasn't helped uh, that they have had some injuries along the way that contributed to this on their back end. Pelic and Pulick both out of the lineup. That's critical to their success, but both are healthy and back now, so you wonder if they might finish strong. In terms of the New York Rangers, Yes, Dryden Hunt is getting a look on the right wing on the second line over here, which is perplexing to me, AJ. I couldn't get wait to talk about that, I guess. But uh, miscast there when you think about it on the surface. But they really haven't got too much going on the right wing when you consider Alex Lafreniere is getting a top-line look, despite the fact he only has two goals and no assists in his last 11 games played. Pickings are thin because they're also missing two of their younger prospects, Sammy Blay and Capo Caco out with injuries, long-term variety as well, too. Uh, I'll make you smile, though, in a second, though, when I mention that Keandre Miller is getting top four minutes and posting a plus five along with chipping in some offense. Uh, that's a sign of some solid development from a young defenseman. You don't normally see that uh, in the NHL, but this guy's got the size and he's got the skill and he's showing it right away. So I don't want to hear about the, some other guys who are struggling. Let's give them more time. How much time do you need to give before you know what you have? You know what you got in Kandre Miller. This guy's a stud, and he will be a stud for a long while back here. They also got more good news in terms of Philip Heedle. They were hoping to get him back earlier, but finally making the return to the lineup, playing third-line minutes at center. If he can score like I think he's capable, that, they're going to lengthen this lengthen this lineup with three scoring lines. He'll drive one all by himself when he's up and running at full bore. So I'm curious to see how good the Rangers can be down the stretch when uh, they have that healthy piece back in the lineup. For Ottawa, some uh, injury absence news today. Um, all indications in the lead-up to tonight's game were that Matt Murray was going to come back from an undisclosed injury. Um, but uh, good news for the Murray family. they, Him and his uh, wife had their first kid, so he will not be available for tonight's game because of that. So good news there. But it does mean that they'll give another start to Anton Forsberg uh, with Murray unavailable tonight. They do get Thomas Shabbat back. He'll play uh, tonight after dealing uh, with a, an undisclosed injury that cost him the last four games. He had been really struggling offensively before that injury, just one point in his previous six. The shots on goal there was pretty decent, though, sitting at 19. So it kind of felt like it was coming. Uh, if he can maybe get uh, that that shot you know, number going uh, – in terms of like fantasy value, you got to look at this guy, even though he's, you know, cold right now, uh, 19 shots over those six games, 13 hits, 10 blocks. Like that's a really good floor um, for a player in, in terms of DFS options, obviously season long. I think you have to have him in your lineup because when he's, when he's playing well, you know, he's almost a, a must have there. So they'll get him back. Uh, they did have Dylan Gambrell picked up an injury at practice today. So he'll be out. So, Kind of one step forward, two steps back for, for them on, on that front. But, again, congrats to the, the Murray family there, and then hopefully uh, they'll have him back in goal for their next game. 
Well, and goaltending is where I'm going to start with Philadelphia because Carter Hart missed yesterday's game with an eye infection. And uh, any, of, any of you who have suffered a bit of an eye infection, no matter how, how mild or serious it is, I don't trust the fact that they're putting him, considering putting him in net tonight for the second half of this back-to-back set. So uh, govern yourselves accordingly. He gets a tough out against St. Louis, too. Uh, That, to me, smells like a great opportunity for the St. Louis goaltender, whoever he is, and we'll get to that later uh, as a a must-play, maybe, in in DFS value uh, picking. But uh, the rest of the roster here in Philadelphia, uh, there's some concerns quite frankly, when I consider that uh, that JBR, a guy who's on the books for $7 million, another guy who was over on the wrong side of 30, uh, he's only 32 years old, I think, but he's on the books for a couple more years at $7 million, and his scoring totals have taken a nosedive this year, and that's been one of the big reasons why this team has floundered offensively. He's got 20 points in 50 games played, so not a good situation there. Travis Connecting is a guy who's been in my doghouse all year long, not performing as probably the next wave of, of offensive leaders here uh, on the season. He picked up three assists to kind of stem that tide a little bit but uh, when your scoring is coming scoring leaders are coming from the defense core and uh, the offense is uh, from the forward is not to be seen you know Justin Braun and Travis Sanheim led the squad with three assists last week uh, three points last week uh, each I should say Gerald Mayhew is a guy who's come out of nowhere uh, on a third line winging winger role he's the guy who's led the team offensively and that's not that's a a black mark on, on the likes of Giroux, Atkinson, and Lindblom on the first line. They got zip from those guys, relatively speaking, on the past week. Scott Lawton is another guy miscast as a scoring line center. He's, he's in the second line role. He's been kind of their uh, security blanket playing here, there, and everywhere for this club. But they really miss Kevin Hayes, Joel Farabee, Derek Broussard, Sean Couturier. These are four guys that should be centerpieces to this offense, but they're all sidelined right now. And uh, this is a season from hell from a Philadelphia Flyers standpoint, I have to say. So, AJ, with that, we've got come to the point now where we'll uh, wait breathlessly for your review of your favorite club. But we have to, uh, at this point, take a break and be back with our look at the remaining teams, including your pens, and our DFS plays ahead of tonight's schedule. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back, but uh, let's get a reminder from AJ for ways that you, our listeners, can reach out to us during the week. I know trade trade deadlines are coming up in your pools, too, so we're hopeful that you uh, include us in your planning at this critical juncture. AJ, how do the listeners get back to us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as Paul said, you know, any hockey comments or questions you have, we love to interact over on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 You can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. Uh, if you are interested in checking out uh, our DraftKings show uh, when we're on with them Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, usually uh, we'll get tweeted out and, and we'll retweet the links to that. So that's a great way to find that um, I've been doing some more soccer stuff for for Rotowire lately. So if you're into soccer, or if you're just a DFS kind of junkie and want to see uh, what we're talking about, that gets tweeted out as well. Um, uh, and and like like I said, Twitter best place to find all of the content that both Paul and I are producing for for Rotowire and beyond can be found through our Twitter accounts. Again, that's at AJ Souls Two Four and at Statsman Twenty Two. All right, partner, give us the dope on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had a one and two week, and uh, I wonder what you think about all that. Well, yeah, when we talked on Thursday, we were heading into that uh, critical Toronto matchup that did not go my way as your Leafs, like, easily cruised to a 4-1 win. Like, it it wasn't even – the Pens had absolutely nothing going in that one. 
Um, you know, it's, as as all of our listeners know, there are times you're watching a game and you basically, you can tell. It's like, oh, I, we got nothing. This one's not going our way. And, and that's how I felt uh, on Thursday in, in that game. I said to you, Paul, during, you know, the second period, there were some power play opportunities for the Penguins. And they were struggling to even get it set up in the offensive zone. I mean, kudos to... Uh, obviously to the, the Leafs for having that, that forecheck in the neutral zone and, and making it really hard. I don't want to say this was all, uh, uh, you know, the Penguins being bad. Certainly the, the, the Leafs played really well and did a good job kind of stifling them. But, yeah, I knew that one was over pretty early, followed it up with a 4-3 loss to Carolina as well, um, which is obviously a concern when you have two losses in a row to teams that are playoff teams. And that's your aspiration of, of where you're going to go. So um, I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe just a little blip in the radar. They have been playing really well. So every now and then you're going to have these these drop-offs. And even with the, you know, the, the bad uh, outings, you know, four goals allowed in two straight games by, by Tristan Jari. Uh, so if you just look at stats, you're going to say that Jari is maybe struggling right now. I would dispute that just because, um, you know, there's not, uh, um, there's not a lot of defense that was happening in those games ahead of them. When you get two on one rushes and, and stuff like that, there was a shorthanded goal that was allowed in that stretch. Like it's hard to blame the netminder for that. So for me, uh, I think Pittsburgh needs to clean it up defensively. They've got all the scoring power in Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, Rust, you know, they, they've got the offense. They need to shore it up defensively and not leave their netminders uh, high and dry. And, A.J., in Seattle, it's been a story that's gotten progressively worse as the season continues. They're on a four-game losing streak, and the trouble can be told by the struggles at five-on-five five when you look at the plus-minus of their top defenseman. Mark Giordano, minus 19. Uh, his partner, minus 16, Adam Larson. Travis, I mean, the third guy I want to highlight is Vince Dunn. The offensive totals are there for these guys, but Vince Dunn has has done more damage in his own end with a minus 17 as well. So that's kind of indicative of what the problem is. Five on five, this team just doesn't measure up with their opposition yet in year one of their franchise. Clearly a different experience than what Vegas had in their first year. Up front, Marcus Johansson is probably playing higher than he should on a, on a solid NHL roster, playing first-line minutes, did pick up three points as well. Jordan Everly has been slumping for most of, most of the last month, but he picked it up with three points last week as well. But, uh, you know, in the offseason, when they signed Chris Dreger, I was I was upset that the Leafs didn't go after this guy. But I'm kind of looking at it now thinking, this guy has been a real disappointment in Seattle. Uh he, he's been dealing with injuries, and when he's played, he hasn't played anywhere near as well as he showed earlier in his career. And I think he was well insulated in Florida. They, they started him spot duty in really good spots, and, they, and he produced really good numbers heading into the offseason when he was drafted by Seattle. And now you're kind of seeing he's been thrown to the wolves here, and he's found been found a little bit wanting. And it hasn't helped this team, but a couple of guys that were expected to help them offensively, Jonas Donskoy, and Brandon Tanev have been in on the injury list. In fact, when those guys went down over a month ago, that's when the season really turned south for this team. And they, they haven't recovered, and I don't think they will. For our next club, we'll take a look at the uh, San Jose Sharks, who are mired in a six-game losing streak. 
Um, you know, we we knew this was coming, right, Paul? I mean, you you looked at this team. The, the net mining duo of, of James Reimer and Aiden Hill is not one that's going to instill a whole lot of confidence. You add in there, they're still without uh, Eric Carlson, who's been dealing with a long-term injury there. They've had Kevin LeBanc out of the lineup as well. And part of that is is likely why they decided to you know grab Ryan Zingle off the waiver wire. You can add a player that you know is had some really good seasons. I mean, you look at his one-year uh, when he started in Ottawa, finished the year in Columbus, you know, 56 points between the two teams that season. The year before, he had 41. His first year in Carolina, he had 29. So, like, he's he's put together some pretty decent seasons. It hasn't been there in Arizona this year. Um, and and he'll get an opportunity here now with, with the Sharks to maybe show what he's got. Uh, it is a contract season for him. He'll be a free agent this summer, and they're going to throw him – Again, uh, you know, to the wolves, if you will, they're going to have him on a second line role right away. But that means he's playing with Logan Couture as his center. And I guarantee you that's a better center than he's played with in Arizona at any point this year. So uh, a good opportunity for him to maybe rehab the image here and help uh, maybe stop the stop the bleeding, if you will, and get San Jose a win. Uh, obviously, you know, this is not a, a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're going to want to be able to play a little bit harder and not be quite the walkover that they've been uh, for the last couple of weeks. And up next, we talked about the St. Louis Blues. They went 2-0-1 last week. Willie Huso has been outstanding in grabbing the goalie role away from Jordan Bennington and running with it. This guy's had an outstanding campaign and picked up two more wins and three starts last week, giving up eight goals against. This team has won seven of their last 11 games, and A.J., they have found a way to stretch this lineup out. Uh, Pavel Buknevich led the offense with seven points, but right behind him, Rob Thomas with six points last week, and he solidified his role as a second-line center, giving the opportunity for them to play Braden Shen in a third-line role. Consider that Shen is flanked by Barbashev and Kairou. Both of those guys have played top, all three of those guys have played top six minutes for this club earlier this season, but they get to be pushed down because the likes of Brandon Saad, uh, he's been on fire for the last few weeks, partnering very effectively with Ryan O'Reilly. David Perron is a uh, proven scorer here. Jordan Cairo and Barbashev, like I said, they're now in third-line winger roles. They'd be scoring-line center uh, wingers on any, almost any other club in the league, and that's why I pointed this team out a couple of weeks ago saying, watch out for St. Louis because they get, they're getting things organized here offensively, and we know that they have a very stout defense that can play at both ends of the ice. Consider that Justin Falk has, has turned his fortunes around after a bleak first season in St. Louis. He's now found his groove there, and along with Tory Krug, forming a very nice partnership as Krug, too, is getting acclimatized. And uh, the only question mark I have here is Nico Mikola playing first pairing minutes alongside Colton Pareko. I don't know that that's a long-term solution, and I'm thinking we might see some shifting around there. But uh, And behind them in the nets, Jordan Bennington will get that coveted start against a, a woeful Philadelphia team. And if there's almost no better chance for a guy to right himself than the opportunity that he has tonight. Well, due to a weird uh, kind of scheduling situation here, our next team, the the Tampa Lightning, haven't played since we talked on, on Thursday. Uh, they will be in action tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to just take a minute to talk about the fact that they brought in Brian Elliott uh, this season to serve as the number two for them. And look, when you're going to Tampa, you know you're not going to get a lot of work. 
It's going to be infrequent. You need to be prepared for that. And I think Brian Elliott's done a really good job. He's only played in 10 games this year. Five, two, and two is the record. So, you know, you got your team at least a point in in seven of of those 10 appearances. His goals against average of 2.62 is the lowest it's been uh, since he was with the Calgary Flames back in 2016-17. I'm sure most people forget he even played there um, because he was there for just one year. Uh, so, look, you've got a veteran guy who's trying to maybe get that first championship after many, many years in the league um, and goes to a club where he's asked to do one very simple thing and he's doing it pretty well. Um, you know, obviously, once they get to the postseason, you're going to see Vassal exclusively. Uh, I would imagine maybe Elliott gets a few more games in the back half of the season, like I was alluding to earlier, to keep Vasilevsky ready. But, you know, Vasilevsky is also one of those guys that wants to play every night. He always is near the top of games played. Um, so even if he doesn't get a ton of workload, uh, look, at the end of the year, Brian Elliott's name, if they pull it off, would be on the Stanley Cup. And, and that's what he goes to a place like Tampa for. And, and he's doing his job well. And uh, one guy that's really not doing his job well in Toronto is the guy that we saw in net last night for the Lake Leafs, Peter Morazic. And you have to reflect on this for a moment and think if they didn't get the season that they have out of Jack Campbell, who it wasn't expected that he would make the all-star team, have a goals against average around 2.4, 2.5 at this stage in the season, taking on the workload that he has. If the Leafs didn't have Jack Campbell in tow, playing the way he has, they would not be in the playoff hunt at all. That's how good he's been and really how unfortunate it is for Peter Morazic, who came in on a $3.8 million cap hit for the next couple of seasons. I don't think he's got a future here in Toronto, and I wonder if he's going to be playing himself out of the league before too long if he continues to play like this because the goals against is north of three, save percentages south of 90%. Those are not good numbers, and, uh, and Toronto is one of the better teams in the league. He's not going to find many better situations, so he's got to get his act together. And it's not going to help him the fact that Jake Muzzin may be out again with another concussion-type injury that he suffered in the game against Montreal last night. This team's defense is in flux. Justin Hall has looked lost for the, much of the last few weeks. And uh, so that's two of their regular six guys. They're shut, effectively, they're shut down pairing. They'll, they'll be without. So it's a key to get Lugushkin back in, in the lineup to make his debut sooner rather than later. And uh, it may even come tonight. There is some doubt, though. So maybe you'll see uh, the Leafs go with a couple of youngsters in their depth chart. Sandine and Lilligren moving up in, in the defensive depth and uh, offensively they're getting next to nothing in terms of consistency out of the second line here which is a shocker when you consider it's three veterans of the league Kerfoot, Tavares and Nylander who are struggling defensively I mean Kerfoot for his part has seven points in the last 10 games Tavares is struggling to get some shots on goal Tavares and Nylander broke out of a long scoring slump that's how bad it's been for those guys it's been uh, the top of the roster uh, really pressing the top line to play. And last night, you could almost say the bottom six was the best of this team. And uh, that's uh, that's an indictment of the rest of the roster when you consider that fact. In uh, Vancouver, look, a lot of people, uh, ourselves included, have been pretty hard on Elias Pettersson this season. You know, early on, um, had some, some pretty rough stretches, but he's got three multi-point games in a row. In fact, four of his last six games, have been multi-point efforts. Clearly, 
uh, has turned it on of late and, and found that offensive game that's been missing there. You know, even with the periods of time where he struggled a little bit, the, the numbers with the man advantage have not dipped at all for him. Um, and, you know, they've been utilizing him in a third line role. Let's let's be honest, you know, playing with, you know, Nils Hoglander is not the same as being able to play with JT Miller or Brock Besser, or Connor Garland, you know, so he's had a bit of a challenge in, in some of those younger guys. Um, but so I, I think he's definitely finding his game. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson was dealing with a bit of an injury. He shook that off without having to miss any time. So that's obviously good for them on the defensive side of the puck. Um, you know, Thatcher Demko's numbers of late in this last week haven't been fantastic, um, but they've been good enough to, to get the wins here. Uh, you know, looking at his last five, he goes, you know, three, one and oh, 3.36 is a goals against average. Um, pretty, you know, pretty disappointing from that standpoint. Um, but the wins are there. And that's that's all that that really matters at this point for Vancouver. Um, they're going to continue to you know, be in the hunt. Uh, they're they're going to need to do some work. You know, right now, if the playoffs started, they'd be on the outside looking in, but they're only uh, looks like five points back from uh, Los Angeles for the second wild card spot. Um, but obviously, there's Anaheim is in the mix there, Winnipeg, Dallas, all above that 50 point mark right now in teams that are going to compete. And having Pedersen playing at this level alongside the you know, the rest of the lineup here is going to be crucial for them down the stretch. And in Vegas, they have to be pleased that Max Pacioretty is back and healthy. He led the offense with three goals and one helper. He's averaging just shy of four shots on goal per game. Has better than a point per game when he's healthy. So it's key to keep big number 67 in the roster here to give this guy, this team their best look. It helps certainly, though, that they finally get Jack Eichel on the ice. He chipped in with his first three points as a as a golden night last week but uh, the concerns are on the injury front here AJ Robin Leonard's out with an upper body injury and there's some indications that it could not might not be a short-term thing he's already missed three starts so Laurent Brassois is going to be the guy that carries the role much of the rest of the way uh, at least in the upcoming weeks I, I would suggest that and uh, they're looking seriously at figuring out a way to upgrade their goaltending situation but Mark Stone on the LTIR there is also some thought that he might be out for a lot longer than, than initially indicated. He's already missed six games, and he's not uh, on the horizon at all. It could be one of those deals. They might be saving him for the playoffs right now just to have that requisite cap space with the addition of of, uh, of Eichel in tow. So uh, the, the roster machinations will be key to watch here in Vegas. They, they need some changes here. They're very fortunate to have a guy like Chandler Stevenson in the fold, though. He moves over to the wing on the top line to to fill out that group, and I suggest that he's a strong DFS value play as long as he's playing with those big boys up there. I'm curious to see what his price point is going to be like like in DFS over the coming weeks. In Washington, uh, another solid week in terms of the the wins, 2-0, both wins from Ilya Samsonov, and some good news coming from Washington today in terms of the injury front. Um, all of TJ Oshie, Justin Schultz, and Vidic Vanasek are in line to potentially return for their next game, at least uh, at a minimum. They are expected to travel uh, for Thursday's game against the Rangers, even if they don't return, uh, you know, 
they don't play in that one. Their next game is at Philadelphia. So they'll be on the road trip. Uh, that's certainly a step in the right direction. Doesn't guarantee that they're going to play. But again, you look at kind of uh, line combinations this morning. TJ Oshie was practicing uh, in a third line spot. Justin Schultz was on the third pairing. Uh, I would expect we'll probably see, even if Vanisek's ready to maybe back up, we'll probably see Ilya Samsonov go again on Thursday, even though he started uh, seven straight for them. The fact that they've had a few extra days off, no reason to rush Vanisek back in, and then maybe they save the game after that on, on Saturday for Vanisek. So good news on the injury front for the Washington Capitals um, and, and all signs pointing to them, uh, you know, adding, adding some, some good talented players without uh, having to shell anything out for them, considering they were already on the roster. Yeah. The news is not nearly as positive from the infirmary in Winnipeg. They've added Cole Perfetti and Andrew Kopp to the sidelines dealing with upper body injuries and that, that sort of thing. Cole Perfetti, in fact, is on the IR uh, while COP is listed as day-to-day. That means that they've had to move things around a little bit, and uh, they're lucky to have Paul Stastny around because he can move anywhere from the top uh, in the top nine players. He's ticketed now for a left-wing role on the top unit, so that speaks of some pretty good DFS value play as long as he's playing with Shifley and Wheeler, who are as hot as they've been all season long. And on the second line, they also plug in a guy that they picked up on waivers last week, the aforementioned Adam Brooks, who was reacquired by the Maple Leafs. And subsequently they put him on waivers to try and get him through the minors. But the Winnipeg born winger slash center is now finding a chance to play in his hometown and gets a pretty good opportunity alongside Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So if you believe in the fortunes of this team being driven by the offense, which they are, then Brooks is a pretty good value play and DFS play as well, depending on the matchups. Their defense is healthy with the uh, with the, the seven guys that we're, we've seen on the back end here. So that's a positive indicator. But the numbers are reflected in terms of uh, Connor Hellybuck with a sub-500 win percentage and the goals against his eyes it's been in years here, speaking to the fact that for this team, the best defense is a good offense. And the fact is that offense hasn't been healthy uh, as much as they would like all season long. Of course, they're really missing Nikolai Ehlers, who's been out for a long term, and that really hurts this team offensively. AJ, that brings us to the end of our list of uh, looking at the 32 teams, the ups and downs on the rosters, and we get to one of the fun parts of our show where we talk about DFS play, and I've mentioned some sneaky good value plays. I wonder if any of them creep into your roster when you're putting together your DraftKings lineup. Please share with the class, buddy. Yeah, so I'm going to, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to punt at some spots uh, in my lineup tonight uh, because I want to pay up uh, for some good matchups and, and good opportunities here. So they're not total pump punts. They're guys that uh, maybe haven't produced a ton um, but are getting opportunities in, in good spots. So I start with my most expensive player here. I'm going to pay all the way up for Austin Matthews tonight at 9300 I think you absolutely have to get Toronto uh, in your lineup with the fact that, you know, Barube is getting the start. Toronto just got embarrassed. Uh, so the bounce back is, is real. Um, you know, third string netminder. Uh, I, I see no reason not to stack on Toronto tonight. Columbus has struggled to stop goals, even when they've had, you know, Merz Lickens or Corpusalo available. It's not going to get any better with Barube in there. I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with my other guys from 
you know, I'm kind of doing a, a two-man pair here. So I'm also going to go with Mitch Marner on the wing, 8,300. Again, just getting those two guys together, uh, you know, top line for, for the Leafs. They play together on the power play. I think it's set up for a good opportunity tonight. Um, my other center is going to be Robert Thomas for St. Louis, 4,600. A little bit cheaper option. Great matchup going against Philadelphia. They've really been struggling of late as well. And, you know, you look at the numbers most recently for the Blues and their top, uh, you know, top point producer in the month of February uh, is Pavel Buchnevis and Robert Thomas. So to that end, I'm going to pair Robert Thomas with Buchnevis at 5,900. Uh, again, they play together uh, on that, uh, I guess you would call it maybe the second line in, in, uh, in St. Louis, you could call it the 1A because they also play with Vladimir Tarasenko. So I don't I don't know why that's always listed as the second line for them, but that's that's the way it is. So I like those kind of one-two combinations. Obviously, I've spent a ton. Matthews, 93. Marner, 83. And Thomas at 46. And Puchnevich at 59. They're, they're not exactly cheap. So my other winger um, is going to be Mammon, who I mentioned earlier, 2,500 on a Florida team that's been producing a ton of offense. He's going to play on the first line. Uh, at least that's the indication from practice with Carter Verhege and Alexander Barkov. I think it's a good spot to get him in. And, you know, if he gets a, a shot or two um, at 2,500, it's, it's a good value play, I think, to build out the rest of your lineup. Obviously, there's a good chance playing with those guys. He could pick up a point as well. Uh, my utility spot is going to be a similarly uh, situation guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Wenberg for Seattle. I like the matchup with the Islanders. They have been less than stellar of late. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, Wenberg comes in again at that bottom price, that 2,500. Technically, he is going to play first line center for them with Marcus Johansson and Jordan Eberle. Uh, the points obviously haven't been there this year. I mean, he is mired. In a 16-game goal drought, has just five helpers over that stretch. And this is a, you know, this is not a floor play. It's not a cash game play. Definitely GPP when you consider uh, he's got 15 shots on goal in those 16 games. So he doesn't have a floor, um, but he's super cheap, playing in a good spot. Decent matchup tonight. Like there's all things could point to to him hitting here. And so I, I like that as maybe my riskiest play. I'm going to go back to the Maple Leafs as I start off my defense. With Morgan Riley here in this one, he's not outrageously expensive at 6,200. He's obviously not cheap, but um, they're going to obviously need him on that on that power play. And here's a guy where you talk about just a ton of floor. 19 shots on goal in the last five games. Um, has his one goal over that stretch was with the man advantage. So I really like using Morgan Riley again with that matchup. My really punt spot is defense. You're not going to find a lot of guys on defense who are really getting any sort of minutes um, if you're paying 2500 So this is my third guy at that bare minimum 2500 price tag, um, Jordy Ben from Minnesota. And really, this is about picking a good matchup. I mentioned that Matt Murray is not going to be in. Gustafson's out. The Minnesota offense has been solid. Like, Dumba's out, so the you know the minutes could be a little bit higher for Jordy Ben. Um, they're not going to be outrageous. They're not going to include the power play, so it is a full-on punt. But you know when you're doing that strategy, 
at least pick a team that's a good favorite that maybe you could stumble into something here. But obviously not expecting much out of Jordy Ben. And then between the pipes, I'm, I am going to go all the way. Uh, and actually, not all the way up. I'm going to go most of the way to the top of the price range and go with Jack Campbell. Technically not confirmed in goal uh, over at Rotowire yet. We haven't gotten a clear confirmation of that. But all indications are, especially with them having played in a back-to-back, that they're not going to start Morazic two nights in a row. So Campbell should get the nod here uh, at 8,200, slightly cheaper uh, than Talbot or Bobrovsky, who are a little bit more expensive. But I like the matchup here better. You know, Nashville's a good team. They're not going to make it easy on Bobrovsky. And, and Talbot, with his recent struggles, I think 8,500 is just too expensive. Um, so I'll, I'll play Campbell for my fourth Maple Leaf of the night, Paul. What say you about that lineup and about your fan duel? Well, I'm shocked that you went so heavy on the Leafs, but it makes sense intuitively. Uh, if you watched that game last night closely, that's why I didn't put as many Leafs in my lineup. I do have a couple of them. I didn't put Matthews in, but I got his wingers. I'll say that because I wanted to save some money in terms of dollar cost averaging there. So from top to bottom, here's my lineup, partner. I went cheap at center. I got Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's got a really tasty matchup in Philadelphia tonight. $5,300 is the price tag there. I think he, his floor is going to be no lower than the average FanDuel points per game of over 11. I think he has a chance for a big night there, in fact. And I pair him with Ryan Hartman, another number one first-line center with Minnesota. I think it's points night against Ottawa tonight, so I'll gladly pay $5,900 to grab him. He averages almost 13.5 points in FanDuel play, in fact, just slightly over that. So I'll take those numbers as floors for both of those guys and hope that uh, they pay off handsomely for those cheap price tags. It affords me to go a little bit higher on the wings, AJ, and I go back to Minnesota Putting Matt Zuccarello in the lineup there, any listener of the show knows that I have a lot of time for Matt Zuccarello's offensive game, one of the better playmaking wingers. I've said that at nauseum. He's delivered on that all season long, and I think he does it again tonight for $7,700 with that favorable matchup. I did pick the Leaf winners on that top line, so no surprise to hear that Mitch Marner's in the fold for $8,400. He's found his shooting eye in the last month, and so I'm counting on that to be part of the scoring total tonight. I I go back to the other side uh, in terms of the utility uh, positions here, filling out with Michael Bunting, the third member of that forward unit in Toronto on the number one line, $5,700 his price tag. He must be loving life uh, playing alongside those two studs, and I hope that they rebound significantly from last night's stinker. In St. Louis, I go back to Brandon Saad, first-line winger playing alongside Ryan O'Reilly for $4,800. There's some cheap prices out there for first-line players with favorable matchups, so I grabbed as many of them as I could tonight, AJ. That's been my theory in putting this lineup together. Leaves me with some money to spend, and on defense, I have the ability to put put again – A couple of guys who have a profile with their respective clubs as as, uh, top pairing or second pairing guys. Uh, Certainly Jared Spurgeon with Dumba's injury could be featured on the power play even over there. So I grabbed him for $5,000. And I got Hampus Lindholm for Anaheim for $4,200 against a club in San Jose that has a little bit of trouble keeping the puck out of their own net. So I'm expecting the home home team to come up big and Lindholm to be a part of that. That affords me the opportunity to go for $8,000 over to St. Louis. I think the win probability is just so high over there, even with a struggling Jordan Bennington. 
hoping that he can rebound from his recent struggles and get me the W there tonight to round up my squad. So uh, what do you think of that lineup, Pal? I think I will use it tonight, Paul. I, you know, we're, we're kind of on some similar trends here when you consider uh, we both uh, we both have some Minnesota guys, some uh, St. Louis Blues guys, uh, and Leafs. I mean, we pretty much uh, pretty similar there. Uh, obviously, your your lineup is maybe a little bit more a uh, little bit more uh, flex uh, if you want to say it, a little more secure. Uh, you're you're not uh, not going with any bottom price guys here. So obviously, I need my top guys to hit. Um, if I'm, you know, going to pay up for him and, and not spend that money elsewhere. AJ, we did this show on a Tuesday to afford ourselves the luxury of celebrating big time later in the week. We share the birthday of February 24. I wish you the very best, not only on that day, for but every day. You've been an outstanding co-host with me for years, and uh, I salute you on the eve of your birthday and uh, wish you a great day in a couple of days. Been uh, been wonderful doing this show with you. I look forward to a lot more shows in the future. But I uh, wanted to take this time to wish you very well. Well, I'll say happy birthday back to you. Thanks for you know bringing in a, a raw, un, uh, untrained. Uh, I, I know our friend Daniel Negreanu would dispute the fact that I'm trained now um, with some of my pronunciation struggles. But uh, you took in a, a raw, untrained uh, scrub who had never really done podcasting before uh, six years ago. And uh, we, we've been rolling ever since. So happy birthday to you as well. I'll take a quick moment to just mention part of my reason that I, I needed to shift things around is I will be once again skiing the American Berkebiner, um, which is a 50-kilometer cross-country ski race up in northern Wisconsin. I do that as part of Team ALS, raising funds for the ALS Association. So I'll be off doing that this weekend, a few days off of work, followed by a uh, pain in the butt seven hour uh, excursion on cross country skis, but it's worth it um, to raise those funds and, and support that organization. Kudos, kudos to you. And I'm really glad that you gave up a PSA on, on what you're up to. I think that's awesome. Uh, good luck with it. Stay healthy, my friend. That wraps up our look around the league and uh, for another week. And we'll be back in our usual day slot, nine days from today. So I'm going to miss my partner in the, in the podcast, but we'll be, he'll be back on the DFS portion of the DraftKings show. I've been treating it like a wrestling kind of absence. But after that Pittsburgh-Toronto game, I said, the AHA is going to be banished to parts unknown. This was a loser Leafs Town matchup, but the fact is you've had other things on your plate, and uh, we'll be looking forward to getting you back on the DK side of things as well next week on DraftKings. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholz24. And as always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.